in today's show. We recap a very light Thursday. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're here to talk about the games on Thursday. There were two of them. Shit schedule. It's going to get worse next week. There's a one game day next week. One, I don't know how long the show's going to go. Not very long would be my guess, but we have still got stuff we're going to talk about. So, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Cam Reddish's season is over in New York. Didn't really begin, but it's over. He barely played. He was out of the rotation. He only started getting minutes when Quentin Grimes went down, and now he has a shoulder issue that's going to cost him at least six weeks, and he won't be back this year. Um, if anyone was still rostering Cam Reddish, hello, shout out to you guys. Welcome to the show for the first time. You obviously don't need to hold on to him. I don't love him long-term as a prospect. Tom Thibodeau loves him less somehow. I don't know how that was possible, but who moves into that spot? Who plays those 16 minutes a night? Well, it'll be Quentin Grimes soon. He's probably back in a week or so, but that doesn't impact fantasy huge amounts. That's the guy coming off the bench behind RJ Barrett playing 37 a night. But for the short term, it'll be somebody like maybe a couple of extra minutes for Fournier, some extra minutes for um, Juice McBride, perhaps. Um, it won't be anything earth-shattering that matters too much for fantasy. And as I said, if a dynasty formats, I don't love Reddish long-term. What is this, three years into his career? We're three years in, and has he ever shown any inkling or any ability to be a top 100 guy? He, no, not yet. Hasn't shot well consistently just doesn't do enough for me. And on court, he doesn't do enough either. I, I don't like it, and I don't really know where it goes from here in New York. But for something that does matter, CJ McCullum is in COVID protocols. He joins yesterday's update. Brandon Ingram is on the sidelines for, you would guess, at least the next six to seven days. So who the hell is going to benefit here? Because these were the two guys driving this entire offense. While Valanchunas is going to get a bump in usage, you would think guys like Herbalife Jones and Jackson Hayes will continue to start, obviously, but they get a couple more shots. Um, Tony Snell, I don't know, a couple of extra Ks into his legs. It's not really going to matter for him. The one that is going to matter is Devontae Graham. He will step into the starting lineup and he will have to take on a much larger usage role. This is a must-add situation. It might be for a week, but Devontae Graham needs to be rostered in every league. Now, RIP in pieces, your field goal percentage, you're going to get defecated on. It's going to be a disaster. He might have 20 points on 30 shots. He might also have, you know, four threes with seven assists and two steals. But it's going to be bad. But the volume is going to get you through. In a points league, you're laughing. You're absolutely going to laugh. So he moves into the starting lineup. So then you get a few extra minutes for someone like a Jose Alvarado. I don't think it makes Jose a must-roster 12-team league guy, but I do think it gives intrigue to him because he could get two steals in 22 minutes. He could have six assists. He could do sort of what Ish Smith is doing in a reserve role in Washington, which has marginal appeal. And then, I hate to say it, but probably Garrett Temple 
steps up. I hope uh, I hope it isn't. I hope it's more Najee Marshall. Actually, it probably will be. The way that Willie Green's going, it'll be more Najee Marshall and more Trey Murphy. I just hope it's not Temple. But I can't really see how Najee Marshall or how Trey Murphy are going to be 12-team league impact guys. Alvarado would be closer, but it is going to be Graham that starts. And just because Graham goes and starts, that doesn't mean Alvarado plays Graham's 27-minute-a-night role. I don't think that'll be the case. Those minutes will go you know, 21 or 22, I would guess, to Alvarado. And then Murphy and Marshall and maybe a little bit of Temple getting 12, 13 minutes in there as well. But an increase to Valanchunas and to Jones and to Hayes. If you did drop Hayes, I would look to go and re-add him. And I would re-add, but I would re-add Graham ahead of uh, Jackson Hayes at this point. But it's not great for the Pelicans and their hopes of um, you know, pushing higher up the standings. I think they're going to be okay in terms of you know, remaining ahead of the Blazers and the Lakers at this stage. Well, not, uh, the Lakers? No, actually, where are, where are they in the standings? I've completely like blanked. I talked about it on this morning's show, and that gave me a false sense of security. Now, they're 10th. So they are one and a half, yeah, one and a half ahead of the Blazers and two games ahead of the Spurs. I think they'll be able to maintain that lead, but pushing ahead of the Lakers, and they had no chance of getting to eight anyway. So I think they're just going to sit in this area. Some other injury updates. Boyan Bogdanovich, I didn't think the injury was serious, but apparently it is. Well, not serious, but he will miss tomorrow's game. Hopefully nothing too much more after that. While the return of Dylan Brooks is coming. Every time I see something on Dylan Brooks now, people are parroting the... Um, Oh, Memphis, they're dreadful at injury updates. Dre I think they've actually been all right here. And in the past, the Jaron Jackson thing was dreadful. In the past, the Mike Conley thing was really bad. The fact that they gave us no diagnosis on Jar Morant's injury was bad. This one, I'm not, I don't actually think it's been that bad. We have heard that, hey, starts in the middle of March. He's doubtful for the 11th of March now. I think that's right on time. It, yeah, they said, what, initially five weeks, which was maybe middle of January. So it's extended a little bit past that, but not too bad. It hasn't been as disastrous as the Conley or the Jaron or the, even the Jar one where we got no information on it. This one, there has been some information. It's been basically spot on, and he's coming back around that time. So upgraded to Doubtful, probably doesn't play. You know, only 10% of the time players are playing when they're Doubtful, according to the latest research from Kevin Pelton. But you know, the return is probably coming soon. So if you do want to grab Dylan Brooks, now is the time to do it. Karis Levert remains out. So maybe we get more minutes for Kevin Love. Maybe we get more minutes for Chetty Osman. Maybe we don't, like last game where Dean Wade got 37 minutes. Wade's more of a 14-team guy. I wouldn't add him in 12s, but there is an opportunity for someone to step up there. While Bob Covington's out again for personal reasons, uh, not unexpected. I didn't think he would play this week. It might be a little bit more time till he's back. You're in a playoff situation. You can't afford to hold zeros. Not calling Covington a zero, but when you don't play, you are a zero. You're not getting any production. He's a back-end guy anyway. If you need the games in, if you need players to play, you've got to consider that as potentially someone that you can move on from in that situation. But don't ever move on from Bet Online because that is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. College basketball, we're here. The tournament is upon us. For all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, let's look at some ads and drops across fantasy circles. The number one added player over the last 24 hours. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Oh yeah, the delicate dancer, Alperen Sengun. Now, 
fingers crossed, it doesn't happen, that he literally might play 18 minutes tomorrow. Christian Wood is questionable. I don't know if the crucifix is going to play, if this illness is going to wipe him out. There is absolutely nothing wrong with grabbing Shangun. Because if Wood does not play, Shangun will be good. I don't really think that this illness, unless he's got the sinus cavity problems of a Jimmy Butler, I don't think this is going to rule Christian Wood out for the rest of the season. People see one thing, like if they were going to say Christian Wood is getting shut down, they wouldn't say illness. Right? If they were saying we're not going to play Christian Wood again and he's got ankle soreness, um, hamstring tightness, back spasms, they would say something like that. You're not going to say, yeah, he's sick. He's not coming back for six weeks. Look, that's just not how that stuff happens. They could exaggerate a back issue if they wanted to, but they haven't done that. So that's why I'm thinking this is not a long-term thing. It could be. I don't know. I don't know what they do. I know they would like to play Shingun. And I'll tell you how... Not I'll tell you how, but I know that they would like to play Shingun, but it's, it is a complicated process. I've got a solution for Houston of how they can do it. Alperen, you're starting. Christian, you're coming off the bench. I don't want to come off the bench. I don't give a fuck. You're coming off the bench. There you go. Problem solved. I know it's not quite as simple as that. But if you want to play the guy, the guy who has control about who plays actually is right there and his name is Steven Silas. So if Steven Silas wants to play these guys more, he actually can do it. He's allowed to do it. Surely he is. Anyway, all that's to say is, hey, adding Shingun's not bad. John Kaminga, one of the most added players, up 16%. Really helpful Warriors schedule playing today. He's playing well. I'm not sure how long it lasts when Draymond is back and Iguodala is back and Peyton is back and Porter is back and maybe Wiseman's back. He played in the G League today, James Wiseman. Reports were um, underwhelming. The report was from... Um, I think it was from... Actually, I don't remember who it was from. Um... Reports were that I don't see James Wiseman contributing at the NBA level for a little bit of time. Like for someone covering the Warriors with him coming back in their dire need of center position players, you would have hoped you would have got, man, he looks great, can't wait. It's like, yeah, I don't think so. That, that was the vibe of the, the report was, yeah, maybe not. So your vibe on James Wiseman, as it should have been since fantasy draft season in September, is don't worry about it. Don't bother with him. It's not, I don't think he's going to have an impact. All that's to say is, Kaminga, yeah, sure. Malik Beasley up 16%. I think on a fully healthy team, he has no business being rostered. But Beverly and Edwards, they're going in and out of rotation or in and out of the lineup with injuries. So yeah, try it. He won't hit 11 threes like he did last game. But he might be all right as a short-termer. Come on, Looney. That's for today. Um, Jeff Green. Ballsy pickup to add for today considering he didn't play yesterday, but people did it. Sure, there was no one playing today, so why not? George Niang, again, that's a today one. Um, Brandon Williams, up 5%. The Simon situation remains in flux. There's a chance he misses that. I, I don't think Brandon Williams is the best player. I don't think he's a very good player. I think he could be a guy that comes in and has a couple of scoring games, but hurts in so many areas that it's actually not worth it. I don't mind the grab, though. KJ Martin's a good one. He's up 7%. More chance of Jay Sean Tate not playing than there is of Christian Wood in my mind. And I think that Martin's a very interesting ad. Derek White up 5%. People saw what he did last game. They loved it. So they added him. I'm a little bit more skeptical on that. But I don't, I'm, not, I'm not against it. And then Malik Monk up 4%. Yeah, he should be on a 12-team roster in your league. He, he just should be. Top drops. 
Number one guy going down is Jackson Hayes. Again, I would reverse course on that with the absence of McCullum and Ingram. Reggie Bullock down 12%. Sure. Three-point specialist, that's it. Trey Mann, that is, down 10%. Currently out. Also currently not good. Fine. Osman down nine. Yes. Uh, Lou Dort down seven. Obviously not playing. O'Shea Brissett down 7%. Not worth holding. Drew Eubanks down seven. Sure. DiVincenzo down seven. Be ruthless. He was trending up and then your mate Elvin Gentry played him 12 minutes. Bye. LaMarcus Aldridge down five. He's not even playing. Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Um, I was going to say DMP, but um, DN Gaff, really. Did not give a fuck. That That is Josh Hart's box score, basically. DN Gaff. Down 5%. He's, he's shit ass at the moment. He might have a better game. I'm not putting much faith into it, to be honest. I'm not excited about watching Josh Hart and thinking that he's going to turn it around. He might. But if you if you need to move, if you need the roster spot, if you needed to stream someone in today, who cares? Move on from him. I, I, with the effort that's getting put in in Portland at the moment, I honestly just don't think there's any problem with that whatsoever. But you want to talk about problems. Well, the Philadelphia 76ers had some problems today up against the Brooklyn Nets. It was not... Um, it was not pretty at all. The Nets get the win. 129 to 100 in the return of many players against their former teams. Let's start with Kevin Durant. Not his former team, obviously. 25, 14, 7, two steals and a block. He was great. Kyrie had 22 in 30 minutes with five assists and two blocks. He was also great. And Seth Curry, who'd been struggling, turned it on in this game. Shot 71%. He had 24 points. And we know that those th- we know that 71% is not real. Five steals also isn't a real thing that's going to be able to continue, but it's a strong game considering the way he'd been trending now. But Josh, we all knew this. It was a revenge game. Of course he was going to do this. Of of course he was, yes. Well, there's two things I'll say to that. No. And secondly, well, if he can just choose to do this, choose to have five steals and choose to shoot 71% whenever he wants, and and he doesn't do it other games, then that's pretty shit, isn't it? It was a good game from Seth Curry. Speaking of revenge games, Andre Drummond had seven points in 21 minutes. Um, he had seven boards with three blocks. He hurt his ankle early, wasn't able to return. Uh, actually, not true. Wasn't able to return in the first half, but did begin the second half. I think we just hold him until Aldridge comes back, and then you probably don't need to worry about it. Millsy had 10 points with two triples, and Claxo had nine and eight. Three blocks. Good game from Claxton getting those extra minutes. But again, we're talking long-term here. Drummond won't get hurt every game. Aldridge will play. And Claxton won't play these minutes or be this successful. So I don't read too much into it. Similarly, we don't care about James Johnson, although it gives me an opportunity to take a breath and tell you that he made me proud. Two minutes for James Johnson. He had 16 points and he blocked five shots on 86% shooting. It's almost like it was a revenge game. He was that good. Really big game. Do not react to that. Do not overreact. It, tell you what it wasn't though. It wasn't a good game for Bruce Brown. Baby shark, do, 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 do. 11 points in 29 minutes with no assist, one steal. I think he's still worth having for now. I think, I believe Ben Simmons might return towards the end of next week. That's my understanding. Um... And that will, that will significantly impact Bruce Brown because I don't think you want to play Brown, Drummond, and Simmons together for a lot of minutes at the same time. And basically what Bruce Brown's doing is exactly what Ben Simmons is going to do out there. Now, it will help when Kyrie doesn't play. 
But um, for now, yeah, we roster Brown, and then we probably will end up dropping him. For the Sixers, just some really bad performances. Let's start with Jim Harden, who had 11 points on 18% shooting. That is one of the biggest woofs you will see. Now, he'd been great since arriving in Philadelphia. That is horrific. He still gave us three threes, six rebounds, five assists, and two steals. So not a complete disaster, but that field goal percentage, he was dreadful. Hashtag revenge game. Joel Embiid had 27 and 12, but shot 29% from the field. He went 79 from the line on 19 attempts, so not bad there. Remember Tyrese Maxey? I mean, you shouldn't have forgotten him because he's still around, but remember the hype about him and how I guaranteed you that it was going to drop off? He had four points in 29 minutes on 29% shooting. Didn't get to the free throw line at all. Had one rebound and one assist. Now, if I hadn't have seen the first four or five games playing with Harden and I saw this performance, I go, you know what? That's sort of, sort of expectations of what would have happened to him. Not really, obviously way, way lower. But him playing with Harden, I was worried about it. Now, he did establish himself as that third guy and then shot 68 or 65% from the field, which made everything he did totally unsustainable, even though there were plenty of people who believed it was. This is flicked the other direction. Mid-40s shooting, under 20% usage, I think is probably more realistic for Maxi as we move forward. This was a shit game, much like there were great games and the reality somewhere in the middle. But this is also why I didn't want to drop Tyrese, Tyrese Tobias Harris. The thick hogsman, the, the old broomstick, was better. 29 minutes, 16 points, 4 triples, 50% shooting. Not saying he's back in business, not saying he's back sniffing the top 50, because I don't think he is. But a little bit of a reminder that the Maxi, wow, superstar, he's our third star in the big three situation was, and Harris isn't that guy either, but to say, to anoint Maxi as that player may have been premature. We got 24 scoreless minutes from Shake Milton, so that was, um, that was cool. And Thibault did nothing. Four points in 25 minutes with a block. You cannot consider him must roster. I know that I will always say that and people will argue with me because I'll look at nine cat rankings and go, he's a 65th ranked player, Josh. And that is absolutely your exhibit A as to why including turnovers and actually not even downweighting defensive stats would tell you that that is a bad measure of player's value. And if anyone would want to take Matisse Leibel as a sixth round draft pick, I look forward to them losing their fantasy league. I just, I think that's as straightforward as it gets really. Streaming for defensive stats, and that's about it. DeAndre Jordan looked horrific out on the court. Now, to be fair to him, he did post a plus one in the game they lost by, what was it, 30, 29? He was still bad. 10 to 9 in his 17 minutes. Maybe DeAndre Jordan needed Bilt Bars, because if something's bad, you can always make it good by having a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Have you tried their puffs? Protein-infused marshmallow. I'm getting my first lot of puffs come. I don't know when. Hopefully soon. Get to taste them. Maybe I'll try one on air and show you how delicious they are. 17 grams of protein in most of these bars. 130 calories, low sugar, low carbs, low fat, and amazing taste. So head to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D. 1-5. And save 15% off your order. I'm just looking at the flavors here they've written down. Churro. Coconut marshmallow. Banana cream pie. Giggity. Also a ruby chocolate they got as well. Some great flavors. Anyway, Bilt Bar is built different.
I just realized that I went through that whole um, Nets Sixers game. I didn't even talk about Ben Simmons' return, I guess, because he didn't didn't do anything on the court. But the Sixers fans were you know, going pretty hard at, at booing him. A lot of them got removed from the court. There was a lot of animus in that game um, between both teams. Really good atmosphere. And the Nets killed him in that one. And it'll be very interesting to see if these teams, man, if we get a playoff series, I think it'll be sick just to see them match up with each other. But uh, the Sixers fans paying so much money for tickets to that game so they could boo a man sitting in casual clothes on a bench. And Philadelphia um, reporters, shout out Howard, um, stalking him in the tunnels and then making up lies about Ben Simmons hiding. Um, it's actually pretty pure comedy. And for that purpose alone, I'm glad that the Sixers got spanked. And I'm not an anti-Sixers person at all. I like the Sixers. I like him beat. I, I like him. But that stuff is pure comedy to me. And doing that and then getting spanked by 30 points makes it even funnier. And I was going to say you couldn't write this, but if I was writing it, I'd pretty much write it exactly like that because that is really humorous. And all the boos, I thought Simmons handled it pretty well. I know he didn't play, but I can't tell you whether his back is good enough to play or not good enough or where his mental state is. But the fact that he went there, we're not playing, sitting on the bench and copped all that shit. Um, no matter what you think of any of the other things that have happened, and there's been some negative things and some things that, yeah, I think he's been unfairly treated with. I don't think anyone could look at what Simmons did by going to that game and sitting there to cop that and say, you know, what are you doing, you soft cock? I think I think you have to have at least, if you don't say respect, but at least your estimation of him goes up somewhat. If it didn't, hey, tell me why you're wrong down in the comments. Put it down there. Hey, you still think he's a pussy because he didn't play? Whatever. I just think if you viewed that and saw all that stuff happening and him sitting there pretty unfazed with it, um, I think you'd have to have somewhat of a positive reaction to it. I don't know. Let me know. Let me know what you think about it. So let's do the last game, the second game of the day, the Warriors and the Nuggets. The Warriors pull it out in the end, 113-1010. Denver was up early, um, but Golden State gets gets over the line. The Nuggets, it was, um, it was tough for them because they were playing their fourth game in the last five nights. Fatigue definitely caught up, and they sort of let go of things towards the end of the game. Steph Curry played 38 minutes. He was... Really good. He is always good. 34-9 and nine with five triples. And Jordan Poole, another big game. He's on a real hot streak at the moment. 21 points, 62%, seven assists, four triples. Top 40 over the last two weeks. It's not going to stick at this level. And remember, there was a real poor stretch that he was having. Um, but you know, if you can sell high, you try it. Otherwise, just enjoy it. Clay Thompson still struggling with efficiency. 18 points, 35%. Had a nice block towards the end of this game. Two threes, two blocks is nice. Not much in the rebounds and assists. He's still struggling a little bit. He's inside the top 100 this year, but nowhere near that top 50 player that he used to be. While Kaminga had some issues early, but ended with 18 points. Unfortunately, it was very empty. Jordan Clarkson, shout out there. 18 points with zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. He had two threes. He's a top 100 player over the last two weeks, Kaminga, and there is value in him at the moment. But Peyton, Porter, Draymond, Iguodala, maybe Wiseman, all these guys are going to find their way back into the rotation. And yes, we'll see Toscano Anderson out and Bielitsa out and probably Moody out. But Kaminga's just not going to have that same opportunity, I don't believe. So I don't think he's going to be the long-term hold. Wiggins was bad, 7 points and 27%. Three steals is nice, five assists is nice, but he has really struggled. And he isn't a top 100 guy this year. For the Nuggets, Big Chungus was good again. Not his best, but still good. 23, 12, and 9. A steal, a block, 43% shooting. While Monty Morris continues to ramp it up while playing without Will Barton. 19, 5, and 1. It's not the best line, 
you know, the one assist is, is annoying. But 19 points, good efficiency, high usage. This is a sell-high moment if your deadline hasn't passed because he does play better without Will Barton. Jeff Green returned from that personal absence to post 11-5 and five in 29. It's great for a day like that today where there's only two games on, but you don't want Jeff Green otherwise. Aaron Gordon had 10 and 11, and Austin Rivers did his Tony Snell. He had two points on 17% in 31 minutes replacing Barton. He's not even a 14-team league guy. In general, even when he has to start in place of Barton. The big stiffy Bones Highland had 10 in his 22, and Aaron Gordon sputtered his way along to 10 and 11 on 18%. He continues to struggle again. Much like when we're talking about whoever it was I was talking about before. I don't remember who it was. I completely blanked. Um, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, he's like two inches taller, Andrew Wiggins. He's just not a top 100 player this year. Not even a top 110 guy. And that means that that roster spot can become cyclable. Just using a new word there instead of streamable. But you can just cycle through his spot in a lot of certain cases. Especially if you're in a 12 team that just skews a little bit deeper than a standard 12 by 13. You might be, you might be streaming him for a little bit more value, I would say. Let's look at the lines of the night as Obi gets up to have a look what's going on. The monstrous is Steph Curry. Your waiver wire is Jim Johnson. Young gun is Johnny Kaminga. And the dud is Tyrese Maxey. Top 10 players today. Number one was Steph, followed by Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, Nikola Jokic, James Johnson, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Monty Morrison, Kevon Looney. Your top 10 roster in under 50% of leagues. I wouldn't get too excited about these names, but James Johnson, Nick Claxton, DeAndre Jordan, Paddy Mills. I don't know why I wrote Millsy there. George Niang, Goran Dragic, Jermichael Green, Bones Highland, Paul Reed and Nemanja Nemen- Bielita. Not one of those guys would I add in 12 or even 14 team leagues. And your top 10 players in points leagues today, we go with Durant, Curry, Jokic, Curry, Embiid, that's Steph, then Seth, Embiid, Irving, James Johnson, Poole, Claxton, and Clay Thompson. And guys, that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.